See, actually, I, I really like Ryan Johnson movies, but I wouldn't, I don't like the ones that everyone else likes, and I like the ones that everyone doesn't like. Most people like all of them. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of I Finally Watched. This is David. And this is Alon. And I finally watched The Brothers Bloom. I don't know how I ended up seeing this movie. Um, probably just a trailer. But... I remember liking it, but I don't remember much about it. And so when I called you yesterday and I was almost done with it, I was like, don't say anything. Cause I don't, I haven't finished it. Um, and I really enjoyed it watching it again. Um, parts of it were like completely new to me. And then other parts were like, Oh, I kind of remember that. And then I thought it ended completely differently than it did. Um, I actually thought, I remembered that the ending happened at the beginning and then we found out like the ending at the end again, like that it was, but anyway, none of that happened. Um, I really liked it. Uh, this is one of the movies that made me really like Ryan Johnson. Um, you know, he had basically brick as his, his breakout movie, then this, and then looper. And then he was, you know, star Wars guy after that. And now knives out. So I think Brick is probably a more heralded movie of his like early career, but I really like this one. I think it's like definitely a good precursor to Knives Out too, like kind of the misdirection for the audience. Obviously, Alan, what did you think of this movie? So, so when you said that the you thought the beginning was the end, and then we come back to the end when the library was burning down, you thought that was like the flash forward to the end of the movie. And then it was like, like Adrian Brody looks at the camera is like, so you're probably wondering how I got in this mess. <laughs> um, no, you know, it's funny is that it, uh, I've never seen this movie. I've heard of this movie, but I had no idea what the movie was about. I didn't even know. Um, I think at the point when I heard of this movie, I was so young. I didn't even fully like know who Mark Ruffalo or Adrian Brody was. Definitely not Rachel Weisz. Um, but, uh, it, it's, uh, I'm really glad you, you had me watch this movie because it is such a fun movie. It's such a cool movie. I kept throughout the entire film predicting like in my head, how it was going to end. I'm like, oh, I bet it's this, or, oh, I bet it's this. And the way it actually does end was never one of my guesses because it was a little bit of like two of them. Like I came close twice, but like fully realizing to the extent of what the ending brought. Yeah. I, I never even came close. And I think that's what was really cool about the movie is that every time you think it goes in a direction and then you give yourself the option to be like, Oh, maybe it's double bluffing us and it will go in this direction it goes in a third direction that you just like never see coming. Um, at least for me, I didn't. So it definitely was one of those movies that um, I really enjoyed the ride. And I, uh, I, I'm curious on knowing kind of how you thought this movie was and uh, was going to end because I'll tell you some of my options. One of my options was I thought Rachel Weiss was conning them. Yeah. Is that, is that like something that occurred to you? 
I thought so, and this is part of it is I thought I had remembered how it ended, but I thought they had conned her and then she got back involved with them, which happened. And then I thought she conned them back is I thought what was going to happen. I thought I had remembered that. Um, And then the other thing I thought was that it ended the exact opposite way in which it actually ended Um, with him tricking him into thinking it's real and then it being fake which is what he did, but then it turned out to be real again. Right. Um, so that, that, that was, I, this, this movie reminds me a lot of um, Clue in that I'm curious if like a few months from now, you'll forget how it, and you're like, wait, how did it, what's the actual ending again? Like not to that degree, but similar. It's just in the middle of um, Mark Ruffalo being shot, Tim Curry pops up. It's like, actually, this <laughs> is what happened. Um, yeah. So, okay. So yeah, one of my, op- my, one of my thought processes was that Rachel Weiss was actually conning them because throughout her like entire life being lonely and learning all these skills, I thought one of the skills that she learned was how to con people because it even gave you little hints like, oh, she's really good at cards and she's really good at like a lot of things. So maybe she has them for a ride. The other thing I thought maybe it, and this is kind of what actually happens, but I I want to get your opinion because I guess this is the point where this is the only really big question I have for the film. You you start the film off when they are really young, right? And you you see that Stevens con for the kids. Um, what uh, you know is to get their clothes dirty and and everything like that. And he rap he makes these stories around these cons. Even since they were little kids, his stories always involved his little brother Bloom. Oh, by the way, is it Bloom Bloom? Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't. That's a question I had. I didn't find anything if it was Bloom Bloom, because the the brothers Bloom. But yeah, his name know. is Bloom. I don't know. Maybe they're not even actually brothers. Yeah, maybe, man. I don't know. I I still think it's Stephen Bloom and Bloom Bloom. That's how I like to think of it. Bloom Bloom and Bang Bang. Um. Okay. So where was I? Oh yeah. So all of his um brothers' cons involved Bloom getting the girl or having to f- pretend to fall in love with the girl. So I thought from the very beginning, it was Stephen's plan for so like his con wasn't the two million or and it wasn't the um the book and it wasn't any of this it was his like perfect con to actually have his brother fall in love um that was one of my options and in the end it actually did kind of work out like that but do you think that was like the ultimate purpose or do you think that was just again happening and his brother like didn't want it to happen well his his the ultimate the con the purpose of like everything in the end is to get bloom to like believe in himself to not need his brother to write how he needs to act um and to just be able to live on his own um so i think that was the purpose now whether diamond dog was like in on that probably clearly not um 
but it still ended up all working out. Like the machinations of how the trick worked, I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't know. Um, that's a, exactly what you said. I mean, I, I have the same questions, but um, I guess we'll, we'll get to other parts of the movie um, when we start talking about it. So let's start talking about it. We, uh, we already mentioned the, when they were young kids. Yeah, this part I, don't, I didn't remember at all. Like, not at all. And it's my least favorite part of the entire movie is when they're kids. It well, reminds, it's just the least interesting part. It, it reminds me of, like, The Little Rascals. It's like, <laughs> if I want to watch The Little Rascals, I'll watch The Little Rascals. Um, there it's kind of like, much. It's kind of much when they're little kids and they're still in the same exact outfits that they are when, in their adulthood. You know, one thing I did appreciate this appreciate about this movie is that you can't really figure out. It basically takes place in present day, but it doesn't feel like it does for most of the movie. And then there's like these things that seem like anachronistic that shouldn't be there. But then it's really it's a present day movie. Like, I guess this was this was made in 08. But like the way they dress, they're driving like a Cadillac from the 80s. They're like taking a, a like a steamership like across the Atlantic. Um, all these things make it like place it as being very old, but it's not. Um, yeah, actually I, uh, when I think it, because it does all that, the movie dates itself very well, right? It doesn't have a cell phone from the early two thousands that like now we would laugh at, or it doesn't have a computer or it doesn't rely on a special technology, the only thing it does is like cars, but people can drive classic cars whenever. People still take steamboats and people still use explosives. People can uh, dress dress like that if they want to. Yeah, people can shoot. I mean, are you going to pay attention to the make, model, and year of like a certain gun that they used? I'm not, right? So it's one of those like timeless eras that I think is really smart for this sort of, actually, I think it's smart for kind of any film to help it not age so poorly really right and one thing about the beginning is i do think it does a great job of like setting up this movie is really about bloom and it's about his relationship with his brother and i think it does a good job in the opening setting up like you know he wants to talk to this girl bloom does who eventually is played by adrian brody but he can't but the only way he can is because Stephen will write a con where he has to. And then if he has to, and Stephen's written it that he has to, then he will. And it's easy because, and it's basically the only way he can live is by doing these cons. Um, and it also sets up the, uh, the line, like, you know, the perfect con is when everyone gets what they want, which is like very important throughout the movie. So I, like, I liked all that about it. And I do like the, uh, the fact that, the con as their kids, the purpose of it was to get caught basically. Like it didn't matter if they got caught. Yeah. Um, but then they got paid off by the dry cleaner at the end. Like that was great. That was great. And um, you know, I know you said that the kid part was your least favorite, but I got to tell you, man, at the end of that movie, when he flashed back to the little girl putting out her hand, like wanting him to join her into following the will-o'-wisp, which he knew was just his own brother was so heartbreaking was like, I thought that really brought it like home for me, at least like, yeah, you get the story and you get what it's about at that point. But the fact that 
his entire life has been conducted through these cons that his big brother has written for him. And now like the cycle is broken. I, I, I actually, I think at that point you appreciate the part of the movie when they were kids. No, I, I, I it's very important. I just don't enjoy watching it. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. I wouldn't take it out. It's just like, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's very short, so it's, it's not like it matters. And there are parts I enjoyed of it, but it's just for a movie. I really like least favorite part. Were you, um, uh, since you, I'm sorry, since you, and then we can just stop talking about the kids. Um, since you completely forgot about that part of the movie, were you curious on why he was throwing water into the cave? No, well, to make mud, right? Right. But when he was first at doing the time, it, yeah. 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 I, I mean, I would, it, yeah, I think it happened too fast for me to care about it. The detail uh. of it. Like if, if I had watched it again, maybe I'd been like, why was he doing that? Or I would have realized why I was doing it. Um, apparently, and you don't see it very long, but they do show you the entire map of the con with the kids at the very beginning. And it even says like mud, 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 and then uh, dry cleaner payout uh, ice pops or something, something along those lines. Right. So it, it does tell you like the exact like way it goes, which I think is pretty cool. And it's like, uh, it doesn't remind me of Midsommar, but you know how Midsommar has that in the beginning where it tells you the entire movie. <laughs> Slightly, and that, and, they, and take sli- they take slightly different turns. Right. Just, just a bit. Um, wow. I don't think anyone has ever connected Brothers Bloom with Midsommar before. Well, that's what we're here for. I, um, the next thing is we go 25 years in the future into Berlin. And this scene isn't really important, but it's really awesome. I love, I love the way that Adrian Brody explains how good this con was because it was important that uh, this guy Charleston shoots Adrian Brody so that the con will be complete. And he's like, my brother was so smart that he set it up to where my clothes look like this guy's ex-wife, what she was wearing. When she divorced him. When she said, I want a divorce. Standing basically in front of the same place. My words were like mimicked the way she, I, I, I like really like that part. Yeah. He's like, yeah, this whole thing uh, relies on me getting shot, but on the off chance that he doesn't. And then all these things are in place. And um, um, I, I, do you think that the overall con that they were, I guess. Okay. Oh man. At the end of the first half of the con that they were pulling on Penelope, Rachel Weiss's character. Right. When they're in that shack at the end of the con, um, are they already in Mexico or is that their one stop before going to Mexico? I took it as Mexico. Okay. Because he was like, he was like, you sleep in the hotel. I'm going to sleep with my brother um, because we have a big day tomorrow. So it's like, I don't think tomorrow was a travel day. Okay. So then, um, so the, my question to you is the first half of that con that they were pulling before going to Mexico. Do you think that was, the most elaborate con that we've seen through this whole movie that they pull? Or do you think there's another one? Like I, to the level of, of complication when they were kids, that con, when they were getting shot in front of the library as the library was burning down that con or Rachel Weiss con, which one do you think was the most like crazy? 
Are you, I, well, I mean, if you're asking me if I think there was another one that was kind of as crazy, I mean, there were probably several that were close. Yeah. Um, if this had been a more successful movie, we could have gotten like a Brothers Bloom prequel where they do a con that's just a con. Actually, if this movie was made nowadays, it would get its own spinoff uh, Amazon Prime show where like every episode you see them pulling off a con. I would watch. I would, I would watch. watch. Um, real quick, before we get to the Rachel Vice part, I did think um, we'd have to get the Charleston backstory. But Charleston shoots Adrian Brody in the chest like five times. And then um, Mark Ruffalo walks over, plants a gun in Adrian Brody's hand, and then points it at his head. And I was like, what the fuck was that for? <laughs> I noticed that, too. I noticed that, too. And the next, there's only like two scenes, really, before we get introduced to Rachel Vice. There's... The rap party where uh, they talk about how Bang Bang is like the only member of the crew that stays the same, which is, is funny because for the rest of the cons, like it's just those three. Like Rachel Weiss is, is the mark. Oh, and I guess the, the Russian guy. Russian slash. Belgian. Belgian. Belgian, Belgian right. Wasn't Russian at all. He was Belgian that spoke French. You know, it's funny though, when, when they said, who'd you get for the Russian job? And that guy turned around and it was Diamond Dog, their, I guess, father figure. I thought it was just the Belgian guy in like a bad outfit. <laughs> They're like, we're reusing the same guy. No, no. Um, well, in, in that same rap party scene, we also get the backstory of Diamond Dog that it is explained that I guess father figure is one way you could um, talk about it. The other one is uh, like their mentor. Like, who taught them how to be as good of a conman as they are? Uh, right. But he was also just, like, seemed to be, like, this foster figure that just beat kids. And also maybe molested them? I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. I don't, I don't dissuade you from that, but maybe. Did you also notice... Uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt? Yeah. Yeah. Joseph Gordon-Levitt, and then the girl that hits on Bloom, and he's, like... You know, Stephen writes cons the way Russians write novels. Yeah. I'm a you know, I'm a character. That's why you want to kiss me. And he's like, you're not actually interested in me. Right. Um, she is also in Brick. I've never then, seen Brick. I know. But J- Joseph Gordon-Levitt, her, and then two other guys that were in Brick are all in that rap party in the background. Which is funny because this movie was principally shot in Romania. So I'm wondering, was that part shot in Romania and he flew them over there? Or if they were like, let's just go party? Or, or maybe that part was shot in California? That, um, that Joseph Gordon-Levitt cameo, it was a panning shot. And it, first, Taylor caught it, right? She goes, is that Joseph Gordon-Levitt? And I go, what? No. And she made me rewind it, go back. And she's like, that's Joseph fucking Gordon-Levitt. And I was like, oh, my God, it is. And I was like, or a guy who just really looks like him. She goes, no, no, no. They want you to see him. He's going to be a main character later on, I bet you. I was like, maybe he's just like getting his start, like an extra. She's like, he's a, he was a child actor. I was like, oh shit. Yeah, that's right. So why would they? I'm like, he's going to come into play. And it's like, uh, like 50 minutes later in the movie, like an hour and a half into the movie. And then I'm like, Joseph Gordon-Levitt never showed back up. So funny thing, him and Ryan Johnson are really good friends and Knives Out is the first movie that Joseph Gordon-Levitt wasn't in of Ryan Johnson's. So Brick, this, Looper. The Last Jedi. Yeah, he's in The Last Jedi. He's like, he's either a stormtrooper or something, but he's in The Last Jedi. Really? Yeah. That's funny. Um, the, <laughs> the, 
See, actually, I, I really like Ryan Johnson movies, but I wouldn't, I don't like the ones that everyone else likes, and I like the ones that everyone doesn't like. Most people like all of them. Well, okay, so for example, I like The Last Jedi, but okay. I, I don't like Looper. Okay. And that's pretty, that's pretty much it. Everyone likes Knives Out. Everyone likes Knives Out. I like Knives Out. I like this movie. Um, I've never seen Brick. Everyone likes Brick. I hear Brick's kind of hard to watch. Nope. Oh. Fairly easy. Okay. Get a, t- get a TV. Uh, did you like the shot of the mural behind Bloom with the gun to his head? Yeah, I thought that was great. And the, the sound the door makes when it's opening sounds like a gunshot. I also, I liked, uh, Mark Ruffalo is like a very muted version of what he can be, you know, because he can be a very good, like, sarco- sarcastic, fast-talking, uh, witty guy. And uh, this, like, little bit where he's like, Let the, let's get this over with. You're going to say I'm out. I'm going to tell you you're not. Then we're going to do our next con. Like, let's just get to the end of this. And then Bloom runs off for three months to Montenegro, which is also just Romania, by the way. <laughs> Um, did you know that originally Ryan Johnson had the casting reversed that Adrian Brody was going to play Steven and Mark Ruffalo was going to play Bloom and it was the two actors who convinced Ryan Johnson to switch the roles? I did read that. That is cool. The other cool thing I read about this is that he had a meeting with Tom Cruise about potentially being in this, although Tom Cruise's schedule was never going to work and he, he actually there's a credit in the movie thanking Tom Cruise because a lot of like Tom Cruise just came in and broke the movie down with him. And so he made like a few, like he somewhat major changes to the movie because of that, which I think is pretty cool. Wait, Tom Cruise. Ryan Johnson made major changes to the movie based on like notes from Tom Cruise after reading the script. I thought originally what you were going to say is there's a credit thanking Tom Cruise for not being in the movie <laughs> because that gave them a chance to hire Mark Mark Ruffalo, and it was a much better choice. Tom Cruise. I would like to see Tom Cruise in heavy makeup as their father, as the Diamond Dog guy, or the Belgian. Or Although the I Belgian. Love, I love the guy that plays the Belgian. So, um, I love too when they find him in Montenegro. He's like, "How'd you find me?" He's like, "Bang bang." like how did she find me he's like come on (laughs) and then that plays again later on in the movie i think in a much better way too um so that whole beginning part when they first meet rachel weiss because um we get the point where she's the mark he crashes the bicycle into her lamborghini did you think that she was trying to like do a hit and run at first i did too yeah no yeah i totally did I um I I also really like right when he's uh when he finds him in Montenegro, Mark Ruffalo's, let me show you something real quick. And he's like, Where are we going? He says New Jersey. He's like, Oh, let me go get my coat. <laughs> like he thought he was gonna show him something around the block. Yeah. Um uh so like I, I mentioned before I was watching this with Taylor and she's uh it looks like, you know, she just hit Adrian Brody with her Lamborghini and she's stopping and starting the, the car. And Taylor goes, is she an idiot? And then literally five seconds later, it's like, so she just had a major epileptic stroke. And like the guilt on her, like Taylor's face for calling her an idiot is so funny. 
I think that it's definitely what you're supposed to think. What I also think is funny too is in the uh, after she crashes the Lambo, but before she uh, you know hits him with her biker, he hits her with his bike basically. Um, you see another Lambo being brought in, and it's like a continually running gag that new Lambos, the exact same one, keep getting brought back to her. Like she keeps crashing them. Right. Um, I think is really good. I also love Mark Ruffalo and uh, Bang Bang on the top of the hill, like giving the point system for how good of a crash it was. That is good. Um, and then, <laughs> uh, man, there's so many like little parts of this movie that are just so funny and it never stops being funny, but it, it's never distracting from the, like the actual plot of the movie, which I really like. Um, so the next thing we come up against is Adrian Brody and Rachel Weiss getting to know each other better. Um, and him learning that she knows all these skills. What did you think about uh, her story about her being allergic to everything? Uh, it, was really, it was funny, and I knew how it was going to end. And I don't remember how, like, I, I don't know if that's from watching it the first time or uh, what, but I thought it was very, it's a very clever, like, anecdote. Yeah. Um, oh. One thing I read, which is pretty interesting, I really enjoyed the montage of her doing all those like different activities because all these things she's learned being a shut-in her whole life. Rachel Weiss did all of that. So she learned how to play the piano, violin, accordion, banjo. She learned how to do ping pong, karate. She was really riding a unicycle and, and juggling. Not active chainsaws. No. Well, we never see them actually going. Um, and then I guess Adrian Brody helped her learn how to skateboard and to do the wrapping, which was the wrapping was probably the worst part, but still good. <laughs> um, and that's why I thought she was conning them. I thought she learned all the skills to be a con artist and she was like seeing this from a million ways. Uh, but I'm glad it, it didn't, the movie didn't go in that direction. I also like the part where uh, he's leaving on the ship and he's yelling at Steven, like, I need, like, a couple more days with her. And then Steven's like, no, you don't. And there she comes, like, crashing her Lambo again. Well, it, well, and the best part is, like, it's such a recognizable car. And especially with the color that when you eat, you can kind of tell that's, a, like, a director choice, too. It's, like, not only, it can't be, like, a black Lambo. It's got to be, like, a yellow one. And, like, so when you see it driving behind you, immediately know it's her. Um I also did like the, you can see Adrian uh, Brody like feeling her pulse as he's like leaving. Um, and I don't know, did you have the, uh, did you have the subtitles on when you were watching this? Um, I don't think so. The song that was playing as he's like taking her pulse and like saying his goodbyes is tonight I'll be staying here with you, which I thought was like a pretty cool, like it ends up not being what happens. But I was like, when it when it that came on there, I was like, oh, I guess he's gonna stay the night, and he, he didn't. But I still think it's like a cool like, I like when directors choose a song that fits like tonally, like the sound of it, but then also the title's like like almost an Easter egg. Yeah. But then uh, idiots like idiots like me who have the subtitles on get it without knowing the song. Right. Um. <laughs> then they get on the ship, which is actually one of my favorite parts of the movie is when. Um, I love Rachel Weiss's nonchalance of like, hey, so where's this boat going? Like, as she has her huge suitcase in her hand. Suitcase packed up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that. I was going to mention that, and I forgot to mention it. And 
Uh, I'm here for you. Thanks, man. Um, okay, now we're on the ship, and the introduction to the Belgian, um, his name is Melville? Maxwell? Melville. Melville. He's, well, I just, call, I just call him the curator. Actually, I think he goes by both names, doesn't he? Melville, as his, like, this part about it, but his actual name is Maxwell. Um, and it's funny. Well, we'll get to that part in a second, but it's funny how she connects it. Like he writes these elaborate, I'm sorry, Stephen writes these elaborate cons to kind of like be funny in his head, right? Like, oh, they're going to get on a ship named, um, the Fidel, the Fidel. And then, uh, they're going to call Maxwell Melville because of Moby Dick. And is it Moby Dick? Well, no. So she's like, oh, I now know why your name makes sense to me because Melville wrote uh, Fidel is the name of the ship in Melville's novel, The Confidence Man. The Confidence Man. That's right. And they're all just looking at each other. And Adrian Brody's face is just like, you fucking slick motherfucker. Like, you just had to put that in there yeah. to be smarter than everyone. And, yeah. like- and then Steven's face was like, oh, oh yeah, like, oy vey. And then Bang Bang just threw her coffee off of the <laughs> Yeah, I, and uh, I, it was either Brody or uh, Ruffalo. So like, oh, that's weird. I've never read that book. Um, Bang Bang's also really got some like great stuff in there too because I love when she's playing shuffleboard with Ruffalo and she like knocks all of his like tiles off or all of his discs off and lock, like knocks one of them off the ship and she just gives like the fake shock of like, oh, oh, is that good? Did I win? I would say she's my favorite character, honestly. She's, she's really good. Um, I also really liked on the ship the card trick that Rachel Weiss does. And I was unsure if she was the one actually doing it, but she, I read that she was. And the way it's shot is so cool because you see her hands, but then you see her face in the mirror. And I was like, is her face in the mirror because it's not her hands doing it because she can't do that trick? But no, like she actually did do it. And so it's just like a cool little shot. Also, I just want to talk about the actress that played Bang Bang real quick. Um, Rinka, I'm going to mess this up. I think it's Rinko, Rinko, Rinko Kikuchi? 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 Kikuchi. Did you know that she up. was the, the first Japanese actress to be nominated for an Academy Award in 50 years? For Babel? For Babel? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and she plays, like I think, a character that doesn't speak in both movies. In Babel 2? I don't think there was a second one. <laughs> all right, all right, all right, all right. I'll let you have that one, but only this one. I do also think there's some great, uh, some great lines in this movie. Um, like, the only way to not feel cheated is to learn how to cheat, which I think is Rachel Weiss when she's doing that card trick. And then uh, Adrian Brody talks about how Ruffalo would love to die on a job which is just foreshadowing of like that's when, when he said that, I was like, Oh yeah, maybe he does actually die in this. Cause I thought he fake died and then was just alive. And I was like, all right, well I'm going to go off. I guess I can't hang out with bloom anymore. Um, there's a lot of foreshadowing in this movie, like a lot, a lot of foreshadowing in this movie. I also really love the basically like scrubs, like dream sequence where, uh, He's like, yeah, he got, Steven got beat up by some ham-headed uh, goons and whatever. And then the next scene is Mark Ruffalo, like, 
come at me, you ham-headed goons, and then he just gets his ass kicked. Um, wh- sorry, which part are you talking about? He's, uh, he's just talking to Rachel Weiss, like, giving her just like, oh, this is what we do, talking about Steven, and that's when he says, oh, Steven would love to die on a job. And then he has this other line about trying to get something real by telling yourself stories as a trap. Trust me. Cause that's like his whole thing. Right. Is, but he, he tells this funny story about uh, Steven, like fighting these guys and getting his ass kicked in uh, some country on one of their jobs. Because at this point they let her know that they were smugglers, but they've gone clean. And this is like to rope her in because she wants adventure. And so he's telling her all these stories of things that they've done, but hey, we're we're good now. We haven't we haven't smuggled in like three years. Um I also I also don't wanna miss the part where the curator first introduces himself to Rachel Weiss. Um it's so it's so weird. It's like all the lights on the ship went off and he just comes out of the darkness and you think it's like at first, I was like, is this happening in her head? But, like, why would this be happening in her head? And I was confused. But then I just saw, saw that it was a very, like, artistic way of, like, doing this. Right. No, I, I liked it. And I thought, you think that he's going to, like, play a more menacing character with that introduction? Like, he's going to be more of a foil to their plan? And it's like, no. No, he's, he's part of it. Which I think is cool. Um, yeah. And then you learn that he's part of it in one of my favorite scenes in the movie. Uh, when they're getting off the ship and he comes up behind her in French and says, don't forget my proposition is always open. And Adrian Brody calls her out on it. And that's when it's beautiful, right? Because they set all this up to be... To, to, to set it up to make it seem like it was her idea for the con. And, and one of my favorite parts is like, you know, they're like, uh, cab pulls up and they're like, where's that cab going? And she's like, we're doing this. We're going to be smugglers. And they're like, no, no, it's very dangerous. It's not like one of your adventure stories. And she's like, it's exactly what it is. It's great. I love that whole scene. I think it's really well done. I mean, they kind of incepted her, and this happened. You know, this movie came out first, so yeah. You have nothing to say. To that that's good. I, I don't. I don't know what you want me to say. I was gonna make a Looper reference, but then we'll just move on. Diamond Dog sent. <laughs> um, I also like uh, Stephen throughout. Is he's also kind of incepting Bloom because he's like. You know, the only real danger here is if you fall in love with her. And, you know, by putting that out there, it's like, that's what's going to happen. Because um, it's kind of what he wants to happen. I don't know if he necessarily cares or wants him to fall in love with Rachel Weiss, But I think it's like, if he does, at least it's him living his own life. Because it's Stephen telling him not to do this. and that, But he knows he will do this. So I, I do like all that setup as well. I I really thought it was. I really thought that was Stephen's intention from the beginning was to set this up so he would fall in love with uh, her and then he would basically get his brother out of this kind of like con life. And that was his like big you're welcome 
to the whole thing, but whatever. You know, the one part of this movie that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me plot wise is uh, Mark Ruffalo gets a letter from Diamond Dog saying, hey, I know you guys are going to, I can't remember where they're, what city they're going to to steal this book for the life of me. Prague. Probably. It, it's always set in Prague. It's always but Prague. Diamond Dog's like, I'm going to meet you guys in Prague. That's probably why I didn't write it down because I was just like, oh, Prague, I, I won't forget that. <laughs> but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to meet you guys in Prague. And uh, Mark Ruffalo's like, uh, to bang bangs like write a letter to him saying that if we see him in Prague I'm going to kill him and then they see him at the bar and Adrian Brody completely freezes up he's got this pen in his hand to stab him but he just can't do anything because he's so like encompassed with fear and it's like Diamond Dog talks later about how like you're the one that froze up you're always paralyzed everyone else ran away from me when I was about to beat you or whatever um for then, Mark Ruffalo in the end for the final con to be like, hey, Diamond Dog's in. We need a Russian. No one else could do it. Yeah, but maybe that was his, like, his plan to like, get his brother to act. Maybe it's, the, maybe it's the only way is to put something that, that fearful. Yeah, I, I guess. But it was also just like... But back to the scene that you're talking about, Adrian Brody is really like stunned with fear. He has the pin. He wants to stab him, and he can't. And I love Mark Ruffalo coming in and um diamond dong being like oh steven we were just talking about you and without a second hesitate hesitation steven breaks the bottle takes the shard and stabs diamond dog like i thought he like honestly ripped his hand from wrist to fingertip like cut it in half but it was just a scar on his on the back of his hand i also like that scene too because he's you know diamond dog almost seems like he's in it from this point too because he's like one day steven's gonna fall and you won't have someone to tell you what to do um and it's like setting up that ending where it's like basically it's like diamond dog's like i'm betting against you i i you're always gonna do the same thing you always do um but before that though i also thought the scene where rachel vice is like your soul is constipated like why can't you just enjoy this and then she like it starts thunderstorm and she's like oh man so horny like these thunderstorms would be so horny it's, it's one it's my other like favorite like little scene that that you that has no like detriment or or importance to the overall plot but it's so funny how he's trying his hardest not to fall in love with her and not to like have sex with her or kiss her or any sort of like romantic gesture towards her and she's basically humping a pillow, doing a thunderstorm, like right in front of his face. Uh, and you're right. Yeah. So she's like, oh man, I'm so horny. And the next thing is he's already like halfway out the door. He's like, okay, good night. And just closes the door. Right. I also love the line from Ruffalo when she's like, when they're like, we need a million dollars. She's like, so should I just get a million of cash out? And he's like, only movie thugs and Russians need cash. And, and that is actually another foreshadowing moment because when Diamond Dog was pretending to be the Russian, um, he gave him a million dollars in a briefcase full of cash. Or was it 1.75? Or was it fake money? We'll never know. I mean, it's probably fake money. It's a movie. I doubt they got 1.75 million in real money out. Or maybe it was that thing where it's real money on top. And then newspaper underneath. 
yeah. cut in the shape of money. You're getting a little off topic, but my whole point of bringing that up is that since he was saying that only Russians deal with briefcases full of cash when they actually needed someone to pretend to be Russian, they used a briefcase full of cash, which I thought was a good callback to earlier in the movie. Um, I also really like, so the Belgium, the curator basically says, I need a million and then, you know, I'll get the book and then we'll trade it. And then we need 2.5 for the Argentines. And so they, they do this and then they go back the next day and uh, Adrian Brody's like, aren't we a little bit early? And they go inside and the Belgian's gone. And they're like, well, why did he leave? He didn't even get the million. And then Rachel Weiss is like, oh, I gave it to him yesterday. And as they're looking around, Adrian Brody opens up a cabinet and the Belgian's just standing there. He's like, aren't you guys early? <laughs> like, he, like he didn't have <laughs> enough time to get out of there. That's like my favorite joke in the movie. <laughs> I didn't even get it. I didn't even un- like, like it didn't come full circle until you just said it to me. Cause when he opened it, I know he said something and I was like, why is he there? And I didn't know that's what he said. Yeah. That, so. That's like my favorite gag in the movie. Um, and then they decide to still go through with the book play because Rachel Weiss doesn't want to give up. And this all hinges on bang, bang, being able to do like a very small controlled explosion and uh, Bang Bang cannot do that. Her name uh, is not Bang Bang for nothing. Well, she she can. She did it in the hotel room. She it was like a little demo uh, with the purse. Um, but that was like I think when I saw that scene and they blow up half the cathedral or whatever that building was, I was like, holy shit! Like out loud, I told myself, I was like, holy shit! Like, they just enacted a terrorist attack. And Bang Bang, she's like, fuck me. Her only line in the movie. Um, did she even say it? She said yeah, it, right? I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure I heard it. Um, also, before this, there's that very awkward kissing scene that turned into a sex scene before the theft scene, which was, um, it was awkward. It's the only reason I want to bring it up. By the way, Bang Bang, ha- I think, is, is, uh, has a superpower. She knows... Like everything going on in the brothers Bloom's minds. Probably. She can she, telepathy. Like she can read, especially especially Bloom, because he kind of wears his heart on his sleeve, right? Um, just looking at I like when he put out his hand, implying that he wants the telescope. Um, and she starts sniffing his fingers. <laughs> and then he starts sniffing his fingers. And he's like, wait, what am I doing? Just give me the fucking telescope. <laughs> uh, I, I also thought, so we're in the, the explosion has just happened. Rachel Weiss is like walking in as everyone's walking out. Adrian Brody gets down from that tower way too quickly to have like come even close to like telling her to stop. Yeah, they would have evacuated, closed the gate. They made it seem like when, as they were closing the gate, he was like, right there running up no way right but if she didn't fulfill her duty then would the how would the con have continued like they just knew that she would fulfill her duty like she had that much well, no, drive I mean, they fucked up like bang bang fucked up and so it shouldn't have worked but because rachel vice went through with it it did work 
And one thing like I like, but I don't like the her going through the ducks scene like really loudly and then getting caught and like falling out is funny. And then her somehow doing something to where the chief of police like lets her go is funny. But I kind of wanted the explanation on how that happened. But I know like the explanation wouldn't be better than like it like it couldn't live up to like that scene. But I, I still like I want to know what happened. Um, was the book real? What do you think? No. No? Well, I mean, it, yeah, I don't know. It and then how did they get it in there? And who planted it? Was it the Belgian? Probably the Belgian. I mean, they said it's basically like a tourism office. Like, there isn't security there. Like, so who cares? I'm so I, confused on how that book was like, oh, it's in the catacombs. And it's like, it's an incinerating room on the first level. Like, that no one, no one has ever walked, like, crawled through that port. And just there's the $2.5 million book right there that the Argentinian will never... Argentine, Argent, the man from South America, uh, would never. I, I, can't, I can't even tell if you did that on purpose or not. Um, I don't know if you've worked in a lot of offices, but you don't check behind different crates to see if there's a hole in the wall that you can crawl through. It's not a normal. Activity. It wasn't a crate. It was a fax machine, David. Yeah, you don't move those once they're installed. So, uh. <laughs> I did also enjoy Agent Brody's line of. Well, you know, they're probably just shoo her out as long as she doesn't act suspicious. Cut to her crawling through the ducks. As loud as possible with the million dollar book, like, in her teeth. Maybe that's how she got away is it is just such a fake book. And she like, I don't know, she's probably a good, pretty good actress. Yeah, it's one of her skills that she learned locked in the uh, locked in her, her mansion. Um, I, I figured that she was like, hey, look, um, I work in this building. Um, and this book is valuable and I'm just trying to get it out. And I didn't know where the fire was. So I panicked. That's, I mean, there's like a thousand things someone could say to get out of that mess. Yeah, possibly. Um, the next part and my favorite line in the entire movie and a, and a line I hope to somehow work into everyday conversation is I don't like to simplistically vilify an entire country but Mexico is a horrible place. <laughs> um, it, it's a good line. It's a good line. Did you think when, when Steven says, Mark Ruffalo says to Adrian Brody that we're at the last box in our con, we just got to take care of that and we're done. Adrian Brody immediately walks up to Rachel Weiss's room and says, we're con men. This has all been a con. Did you think that was still part of the con or did you not realize that until a little bit in? So this is actually what I wanted to say before we got to this part was that one thing that I think really elevates this movie into a great movie from a good movie to a great movie is as the audience to a certain point we follow the con where we know it's a con like they lay it out like this is the con but then there's a certain point in the movie where as the audience 
we don't know if this is a con or if this is real. Like the movie has caught us up in the con. And I think that's what's really cool about this movie and makes it different from everything else is that, and, and the only the only movie that kind of comes to mind real quick right now is um, the ocean movies. How you don't know, like you you have a whole plan laid out in front of you, except the very, very ending, where it's like, you don't know if this was part of the plan or if this was an accident. Um, you know, when at the end of the, uh, I think it's the first ocean movie where all the cops rush in um, and go uh, take the money and go away in the SWAT car, mm-hmm. but it's just Brad Pitt in the SWAT car in the, and it's just, the, you know, it's everyone. Um, and then the SWAT car is, is full of fake money. Um, as the audience, we weren't aware of that. So I thought this was really cool. This is the point where we don't know if it's real. I sure didn't think so. Um, and I became aware that it was real, that I was fake when Mark Ruffalo got shot. I was like, nah, I, I stopped buying it then. Yeah, I actually noticed something watching this scene and the last scene. But, you know, in the Berlin scene with Charleston, it's very much overacted and Mark Ruffalo even has like a really horrible accent. Mm-hmm. The acting in this scene with Rachel Weisz is kind of overacted still. It's like if it, if it was a real, if it was like, if this was just a movie, you'd be like, that's kind of bad acting. Like that's not very good acting. When we get to the final scene with Diamond Dog and Mark Ruffalo's tied up to a chair, that's really good acting. It's really fucking believable. Yeah. And I think that's how you can tell it's faking out. When I, when I was taking my notes as I was watching this scene that we're talking about right now, I was like, this seems like it's still part of the con. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. Cause it was, it's hard to follow when the gun falls off of the nightstand and goes off. Um, at first I was like, all right, did bang, bang get shot. And this just went way too far. And that was at the point where I looked at the timestamp of the film and I was like, nah, there's like 30 minutes left of this movie. Like, something is going to go. And then it's Mark Ruffalo that's been shot. And I'm like, nah, this is part of it. Like a hundred percent. They're not going to kill off Mark Ruffalo right now. And I love the way that she figures it out. She just walks over there, takes the blood packet right out of his shirt and just walks away in defeat. Well, disgust really. Disgust. Well, cause I love too. I think the point where it's really clear is, um, Adrian Brody says something like, you know, you just go take the car. I'm not leaving him. <laughs> it's just like really bad. And he's, and they're just almost like, you don't, there's no, no sound. So it's like, you know, she hasn't started walking away and they're just like waiting for her to leave. And then she doesn't. And they're just like, Oh fuck. <laughs> this did not, this did not play out. Um, the next scene I think is really funny. And you kind of pointed out when it happens, but uh, Penelope finds bloom and she, he's like, how did you find me? He's like, Oh, Bang Bang, I texted her. And he's like, Bang Bang has a cell phone? Yeah, I think she only gives it to people she really trusts. Um, yeah, I that was really funny. That was another moment. Uh, um, I, and then... We so also did, for, we forgot to mention the apple scene, which I think is really good. It's unimportant, but I love him stealing the apple on his own. 
and just like feeling so good about it. He's in love with Rachel Vice, and then like that kid likes like, hey, you stole that apple. <laughs> oh, let me ask you something. What sense does it make that if you run a market that sells fruit and someone steals an apple? How do you justify throwing an orange after them? Like that's two pieces of fruit you now have lost. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's the principle at that point. I like but, how Adrian Brody ran so far away um, to the point where like no one was chasing him. But then tripped and ended up in jail. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um. I do. So back to like the present of the movie that we we're talking about, Rachel Weiss is like back and Adrian Brody's like, I didn't love you. That was a script. Um, there's nothing real between us. And I like that Rachel Weiss doesn't believe it. And then as the audience, we know it's bullshit too. Right. And it's like, it doesn't last, you know, long, like very quickly they're you know, making out whatever. Um, and I think what's really important about this is, so the next scene we see Mark Ruffalo and he's like, I know why she's back here. How much more do you think you can get out of her? He's like 1.75. And I, that is such a like purposeful choice, that number, because the 1.75 comes up later with like the amount that Steven's being ransomed for. Right. And it's like, if it's an even 1 million, oh, that could be coincidence. Even 1.5 is like a nice round number. But even it's like two, one, yeah. But 1.75 is chosen, so it'll stick out to you and be like, oh, wait, that's that's this is fake again which i think is so like such a nice touch there's also a point in the movie where um and i'm jumping ahead a little bit but i want to mention it before i forget we've been jumping all over so i don't think it matters but when bloom catches up to steven being tied up by by diamond dogs men in the movie theater um and he says steven i have to know now is this a con or is this real? I thought of a couple of scenarios because Steven tells him that it's real, get out now, right? But if it really was real, then, and he really did love his brother, wouldn't you tell Bloom it's a con to make him just like leave in, in anger? You, do, you, do you know what I mean? Um, yeah, but you also don't, if you tell him it's a con, you don't exactly know what his, his reaction is going to be. You want him to realize it's real so that he acts accordingly. Um, you know, cause for his safety, he's like, no, this is real. You need to run. Um, yeah, but that could have also been a con. <laughs> I guess it wasn't. Um, and we're about to get to that, but just the one line, I love the line before uh, when they're like, oh, we need this money. Um, we need the capital to do this. And Rachel Weiss is like, well, you already have my million. He's like, no, that was profit. We've already split that. We need capital. <laughs> and bang, bang, and, and Bloom were just like, they're like nodding their heads like, yep. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, we have the, the shootout and the double cross from the Russians that we think is kind of fake, but then turns out to be real. Um, I love Bang Bang's goodbye where she has like a handwritten note with like a picture of her that she's drawn and then her car blows up. Like I thought that was like a nice way of her going out. Um, but then we get to the point where, yeah, so Diamond you know Dog. How, you know how she did that, right? How she what? How she 
faked her death. Yeah, the truck going by. She yeah. went behind and then just blew up the car. Yeah. Yeah, the the truck was very obvious. Yeah. Um but then yeah, we get to this final scene, which is really a really cool scene. That's the scene where I thought started in the beginning and we saw the beginning of it and then we saw the the way it really ended. Which kind of like part? casino. At the very end where they're in like the theater. Mm. When I had remembered back to have watching this movie, I thought that part was in the beginning as well, but it's not. Obviously. I really, I really like the part where, um, and I think we kind of glossed over it. I don't want to go into full detail, but their whole part was like, we're going to, f- um, we're going to fake our deaths and then Penelope is going to get away. And that's how we're going to get her out of this crazy business. And you're going to jump in front of the bullet and save her. And as you're dying breath, you're going to tell her to leave. And also another foreshadowing, because that is kind of what happens, but not the characters that were originally in the plan. Well, it also didn't make sense because she was totally going to just check for, you know, packets again. <laughs> right. She's like, I've seen this trick before. I, I also like, she's so rich that she's like, oh, 1.75. Yeah, I'll go get that. Because he's like, this is fake. That's the exact same number. I know it's a con. She's like, well, we can't take the chance. So I'll just go get the money. By the way, when the car was flipping over the highway and it landed upright and Stephen and Bloom shared a look, do you think that look that Stephen gave Bloom was like, oh, fuck, dude, I am so sorry. Like, I did not see this outcome. Because they could have all died in that car wreck. Well, yeah, I think it's at that point... At that point, Steven knows it's real because it shouldn't have gone down like this. Um, like the, you could kind of tell like the, the mirror as it was like the bullets were flying through. It was just kind of charges to make the mirror, the, the windshield, the front and back windshield to like explode. Right. But then the bullet holes on the side and Bloom's even feeling him. He's like, oh, these are fucking real bullet holes. Um, even if that was true, though, I am so surprised not a single person in that car got grazed or shot or anything. Yeah. The Russians were not good at shooting that day. Do you think that first initial bullet hole was real uh, on the back? Because if Adrian Brody wasn't laying in uh, Rachel Weiss's uh, lap, he could have been shot in the head. I don't, th- I didn't think any of those were real. I thought that, like I said, I thought those were the charges. Got it. Got it. Um, and I, my favorite part of this last scene is just the, the mechanical gun coming out of his coat as he starts, he's just like finally not paralyzed anymore. And it's like finally his like, not redemption, but just his like growing up and not needing Steven anymore. And like his shooting arc. at that guy. Yeah. And call it a character arc. I can call it whatever the fuck I want. Alon. I mean, you could, but, um, don't, his... don't, don't, don't tell other people how to speak. Not you. His character arc came to full completion fruition circle of life and um his brother died at the end so that's really all you got to know about the movie it's like if he he told him it was fake he gets up and does all this movement which probably led to him dying quicker um and then i do love how they set up early in the movie like oh this blood it's like you know blood doesn't dry red it it dries a lot darker than this and then Rachel Weiss, as she's driving with Agent Brody asleep, she looks over at the sleeve and sees the blood. And then when he wakes up, he sees the blood. And it, like, 
I guess at this point they're just driven too far. So he's like, fuck, we can't even go back to say bye to my brother. It's like, we just got to keep going. That's what I thought too. Um, I love the final like realization when he opens up his jacket and the handprint of his, like his, the Steven's bloody handprint is also brown. And that blood could have all only have come from him. Um, and then that's when like, and I love the cut back and forth to like, Steven setting up his chair and setting up the cards and everything like that. And then the realization for Bloom that his brother is, is dead. But I understand, like, do you think if they had gotten help that he could have lived? I don't think Steven wanted to. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, I think that's what you can take away from this. Um, I do like the line of him finally getting the magic trick. I, we assume he got it right. And Bloom's like, that's the best trick I've ever seen. Yeah. I thought it was going to be like he got it wrong again. And then later on, as he sees all the blood, he also pulls out the card. And he's like, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. And then it was just kind of this like moment that's really nice. And it's just uh, him um, and Penelope riding off into the sunset. Yeah. I mean, it's a really great ending. I think overall, this is just a really great movie. Um, we really need to get you to watch Brick next. Not I, next, but I in do, the future. I do want to watch Brick in the future. Um, I just wanted to say real quick that a, a sequel to Brothers Bloom would not be called Brothers Bloom 2. Probably because I mean, something like Brother Bloom. Well, first of all, it would it would be a prequel would make the most sense oh, i guess however if they did do a sequel which would not be beyond hollywood to do because a prequel you would need younger people and so they'd probably recast them but if you did a sequel where you had to have these two guys in it again they would come up with a way for him to still be alive or just recast him we need to recast him mark ruffalo no, no. didn't die <laughs> no i mean like there's not- a third brother yeah. That also looks a lot like Mark Ruffalo. Mark Ruffalo was a twin. twin. Yes. Ah, oh, there we are. The other movie unrelated to this, but it's a it's a, a Joseph Gordon-Levitt movie, Levitt movie is The Lookout. Have you ever seen that? No. Oh my god. It's Joseph Gordon-Levitt, uh Jeff Daniels as like a blind roommate of his. It's so fucking good and we are going to do that movie. All right. We got a couple of Joseph Gordon-Levitt movies coming coming to you he had such a nice little run of stuff where he was just doing solid stuff i haven't seen him in a while did you like looper i did like looper looper was i didn't i had read about looper when it was just an idea that ryan johnson was floating and it was the pitch for that movie was the craziest thing i've ever heard it was mobsters in the future have it have this ability to time travel people into the past and they do this so that they can kill people and there's no trace of of that happening and i was just like that's the craziest fucking pitch for a movie i've ever seen like ever heard of and when it actually comes about i don't know if it just couldn't have lived up to those expectations but i need to watch it again i think uh, similar to um the Irishman, the the facial stuff really throws you off the first time you watch it. Yeah, I I need to watch it again. Um, 
one, because I was in a bad place in my life when I first watched it. And two, um, I remember the movie not making sense as far as like time travel logistics going. And maybe if I'm not too like stuck on that, maybe I could actually enjoy the movie. But um, I also remember thinking it was very like extremely a pretentious movie. But maybe it was me who was pretentious all along. No, Probably. that's not it. Nah, no. No, no growth. No. No, no arc for you. Well, thanks for listening to another episode of I Finally Watched. This is David. And this is Alon. And I finally watched The Brothers Bloom.